Last night, Donald Trump announced hundreds of people had been arrested in crimes related to vandalizing various statues. And now he's tweeted this, a list of suspects that the FBI is seeking information on because they vandalized federal property, I believe specifically the Andrew Jackson statue in Washington, D.C. Donald Trump says many people in custody with many others being sought for vandalization of federal property in Lafayette Park, 10 year prison sentences. We've also got many stories from local jurisdictions where individuals are being arrested for vandalizing statues. Finally, finally, someone is doing something and I'm not surprised that it's actually Donald Trump. Now he's not doing as much, he's not doing as much as people would like him to do in some instances, but many, many others are actually glad he's not taking a heavy handed approach and going to other cities and enforcing local laws because that would be, well, a bit dictatorial. Many Trump supporters are concerned that would bait Trump into looking like a dictator. Instead, what we're getting are weak Democratic politicians, mostly Democratic cities where this violence is occurring, and they're not doing anything to stop it. Now, finally, I believe they've actually gone in and cleared out the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, but it's still going on. The protests are still happening in Portland last night. I know it's Portland. These things are still happening. And notably in Washington, D.C., the far left fanatics want to tear down a statue of Abraham Lincoln freeing a slave in what makes absolutely no sense. Now, of course, they're arguing that it's offensive and it shows that their freedom is determined by white people or something, something that, to, uh, to that effect. But this memorial, my understanding, was actually paid for by freed men and women, people who actually respected Lincoln and wanted the statue to exist. A small group of fanatics now want to destroy it. So Donald Trump has reactivated the National Guard. I covered this yesterday. We saw the National Guard activated in Wisconsin. Barricades have surrounded the Lincoln Memorial, a specific statue, not the actual memorial, but a specific statue, as well as another statue. And park police are protecting it in fears that these fanatics are going to try and tear it down. But outside of the actual law and order that I want to get through, and I want to show you what's going on with the FBI and the park police, I think we need to talk about what this is and what's happening right now. It's the rise of a non-theistic religion, or as journalist Mikey, Michael Tracy calls, uh, uh, says in his Spectator article, it is a state-backed religion. And I don't think he's actually being hyperbolic. I think he brings up a very, very good point. This is an, an, an ideology. These are people who believe specific things not founded in fact, but feeling, and they're spreading it via scripture, telling people what books to read. These are books who make, that makes points that are unfalsifiable, that you can't actually claim you're not racist based on the arguments from these books that seemingly make no sense. So let's do this. Let's talk about law and order, figure out what's going on. Is Trump actually going to stop these people from destroying these statues? But let's talk about the rise of a non-theistic religion. I want to make one thing clear as we move forward. Many people are arguing that Black Lives Matter itself matters. Uh, Black Lives Matter is actually a religion itself. I disagree. I believe that Black Lives Matter is the official branding that was stolen by these intersectionalists for their new religion because it was a popular position. Now they are pushing forward something that has very little to do with the initial inception of Black Lives Matter. And many activists have pointed out the movement has been co-opted. The easiest way to explain this, just go and watch Dave Chappelle's 846 special. In it, he talks about violence and police brutality. But he doesn't mention anything about intersectionality. He doesn't mention anything about taxation or trans lives or anything like that. 
And you can see there is a very serious disconnect between what Black Lives Matter actually was and what it's becoming today as the woke cult seeks to take it over. Let's get started with the FBI, however. Before we do, make sure you head over to timcast.com slash donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. And I've got a PO box you can send things to. When you support me this way, you're basically giving me unfireability protection or whatever you want to call it. The gist being, I run my own company. People may try and cancel me because I'm speaking out against these issues. When you support my work in this way, it makes it a lot harder for them to actually do that. Another way you can really help is just sharing the video. But of course, if you just want to watch, hit the subscribe button, the like button, the notification bell, and hopefully that'll be enough for YouTube to actually show you what's going on. But outside of this tweet from Donald Trump, let's get to the news. We can see this. It says seeking information for the vandalization of federal property. And they have a what looks like about 18 different uh, 15 suspects, it appears. Perhaps, uh, yeah, 15 suspects here. And they say the FBI Washington Field Office Violent Crimes Task Force, in conjunction with the U.S. Park Police, is interested in identifying several individuals who are responsible for vandalizing federal property at Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C. They mentioned this took place on June 22nd. Well, we have a story now from the Washington Post. They say the park police issued a release Thursday night that included photos of 15 individuals on or near the bronze statue and called for community members to contact the department's criminal investigations unit with identifying information. The U.S. Park Police and FBI are attempting to identify the individuals responsible for destruction of property and other related crimes. The announcement is the latest update in a series of clashes between park police and protesters over the statue of of the former president riding a horse in Lafayette Square. It also comes as protesters vow to bring down other statues in the area, such as the Emancipation Statue in Lincoln Park. I kid you not. It is a statue honoring Abraham Lincoln freeing the slaves. They said it was about tearing down Confederates. It wasn't and it isn't. Many people will tell you it's communists. Okay, that's an oversimplification. What we're actually dealing with, for the most part, is an ideology. Now, this ideology is, in a sense, you can say it's communist or Marxist, and it holds some of these similar tenets. But the reality is, it's just an ideology that uses aspects like original sin. It's very, it's very, it's it's a religion. I think it's the easiest way to put it. Now, you can call it a cult, but I think it's 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 prominence in the mainstream now warrants something more of a non-theistic religion. This is not something I came up with. I think this is actually, you, you can look to people like Peter Bogosian and Sam Harris, perhaps, who explain how this is a religion. The scary thing about what we're seeing now is that due to its non-theistic nature, it's extremely pervasive in government and its fanatics and zealots are easily infiltrating our institutions and our government and trying to employ these wacky, nonsensical tenets in law. They're trying to make us adhere to these weird things that make literally no sense. A a good example as we move forward, because I do want to talk about some of these arrests and I want to talk about what uh, what Trump says is going on. But a a good example of these nonsensical tenets would be a recent viral video showing protesters going into a restaurant chanting, while you're dining, people are dying. These people have been told over and over again that many innocent people are being killed by police, but that's just not true, at least relatively. There are certainly innocent people or unarmed people who are killed by police, but the numbers are in the single digits or double digits. 
out of 330 some odd million people, that's ridiculously low. In terms of in, in terms of actual violent encounters with police, the numbers are also extremely low and violent crime is going down. Now, these facts go right over the zealots heads. And this is where things get scary. Social media platforms will actually ban you for challenging their their religious narrative. And they'll give you freaky explanations. They'll, they'll try and justify it. And then they'll argue their private platforms. But the reality is facts and science are not on their side. It doesn't matter. They believe it is. And they will mindlessly chant at you. I mean, you really got to look at some of these videos where the people are sitting in a park with their hands raised, mindlessly chanting. It's creepy stuff. It's a non-theistic religion. But okay, okay, we'll get to this. Let me show you some of what uh, first what Trump said, and then some actual arrests. President Trump is applauding the arrest of hundreds of people in the wake of toppling statues and monuments nationwide during protests against racial injustice following the George Floyd killing. He says, you're talking about statues of Washington, Abraham Lincoln. They'd like to get Jesus. You know that, right? You know that, right? They said they want to get Jesus. And that's true. This is what sparked the riots in Wisconsin. A man was preaching that Jesus wasn't white. He had a baseball bat and was yelling at people in a restaurant. He got arrested. A riot broke out. Fanatics. This is what they are. They're chanting things that make no sense and they're destroying property and it's working. But a few people have been arrested in Arizona. A man was arrested for painting a Confederate statue red. Over in Jacksonville, a man was arrested for vandalizing a statue of Andrew Jackson. Now, these are just some some local uh, instances. Trump claims many more have already happened. Because these stories are actually local, they don't make it to the mainstream. It's hard to know what's going on. But I will tell you this. As I've stated in many other segments, the protests have not stopped. They are absolutely continuing. You just don't hear about it. Now, one thing interesting here is that Trump is asking for a toppled D.C. Confederate statue to be put back up. A statue of Albert Pike, a Confederate general and leader of the Freemasons, was torn down and set on fire on the night of Juneteenth. This, I think it actually should go back up. Now, first, let me just tell you, I think it should be taken down. I think many of these Confederate statues should be taken down and placed in museums. I just don't think they should be removed by random violent mobs of zealots who want to destroy these things without discussing it with the public first. You do not get to just enforce your ideology. It doesn't work that way. Imagine if any other religious group was going around desecrating statues and imagery. You wouldn't like that either, especially if it was yours. If someone went and vandalized, you know, say a Black Lives Matter sign, people would be outraged. And they are. Apparently in one area where they, they painted Black Lives Matter in the street, someone peeled out over it, leaving tire marks, sort of vandalizing it. And they were furious. It's interesting then to see the media totally embracing this. The, the, the framing of these stories is, I got to say, it's obvious, but it's also freaky. We know that for the most part, that, that this intersectional social justice, whatever you want to call it, has been expanding. It's been growing over the past several years. Well, now as these young people start gaining power in newsrooms and in large institutions, it's infecting everything. And this is, look, we can talk about opposing racism, but there's a big difference between what they're proposing, tearing down Abraham Lincoln and actually discussing, you know, opposing racism. I wonder how they how they try to claim that they oppose racism when they tear down ab- abolitionists. It actually doesn't make sense, but they'll try to make it make sense. And then you'll see the 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 pawns, I suppose, just repeating nonsensical statements whose their opinions appear to be coming out of fortune cookies is the way I describe it. 
They repost the same opinions. They repost the same comments. And they don't actually have conversations amongst other people. They just chant you down. The best example of this, maybe the weirdest example, would be Daryl Davis. Daryl Davis is very famous for de-radicalizing Klan members. This is a man who is a blues musician. He's a black man. And he actually befriended Klan members and convinced them to abandon the Klan. They did. At an event I actually helped host in the South Jersey area, protesters protested him. And when he tried to speak to them, they chanted him down, insulted him and called him a white supremacist. And he was shocked. He posted about it. And this post went viral. Now, many people thought this was funny, but I actually think it's kind of horrifying. These people are blind fanatics. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't care. They just demand compliance. If you don't agree with them and worship the same ideology as them, they will chant you down and you will not be able to talk to them. This is fanaticism. It's very different compared to what they say about Trump supporters. They say Trump supporters are blind zealots in the cult of Trump. Now, I understand that argument and I can respect it to a certain degree, but I'll tell you this. These Trump supporters you see out waving flags actually will try to debate you. So the, 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 the easiest way to explain it, going back to Daryl Davis, you can walk up to a Trump supporter, talk to them, and they might not agree with you and they might start yelling and you might get into an argument, but it's very, very different, you know, as to what this, uh, these, these other zealots intersectionalists do. Now, the main point I want to make here as I read you this story, this is, an, this is an amazing piece from Michael Tracy. The main point that I want to make is that Black Lives Matter was a protest movement. Intersectionalists are using the popular branding to inject their fringe non-theistic religion into mainstream pop culture, culture and law, and it's working. But let me just read this for you. I want, I want to read you what Michael Tracy said, because it's, a, it's actually a really, really great take on what's happening. He writes for The Spectator, Black Lives Matter is a state-backed religion. In the eyes of many, this movement transcends politics. He says, protest often feels inadequate as a characterization for the public exhibitions that have erupted nationwide over the past several weeks. The term protest carries a connotation of actions carried out in opposition to existing structures of power. Hence, you protest against forces that are arrayed against you, even if some municipal bureaucrat might have reluctantly granted you a permit. However, at least in many jurisdictions, events which were presented as protests should more rightly be labeled as something along the lines of state-backed demonstrations. Michael Tracy is completely correct. All of these governors saying you can't do these things, but these were okay. These were state-sanctioned events. He says, for instance, in my otherwise sleepy town of Caldwell West, Caldwell, New Jersey, high school students organized what turned out to be astonishingly, astonishingly large protest march. Notably, The students accomplished this feat with the complete cooperation and participation of community authorities against which the youth of a previous era presumably would have rebelled. Parents, elected officials, school administrators, and even the police. It thus took on the appearance of an authorized civic gathering, almost like a 4th of July celebration or a Christmas tree lighting. At the request of students, a police detective sang the national anthem which made for a bizarre contrast with the legions of suburban white women in yoga pants kneeling with their fists raised defiantly to the sky. Incongruous as the optics may be, these are in a way a new kind of state-backed demonstrations. Of course, not every protest across the country has received such explicit state backing. One feature of this movement, if you can really call it that, is its astounding geographical reach. 
With demonstrations sprouting up, even in the unlikeliest of regions, a map of recent protest-like actions in Pennsylvania shows events in even the most conservative rural portions of the state, apparently without much in the way of resistance. So there is clearly something extremely novel about this phenomenon, and we've only begun to scratch the sociological surface. Among the reasons why the still amorphous movement became so widely popular with such breakneck speed, with such with such breakneck speed, is perhaps because in the eyes of many, it transcended mere politics. Many so-called protests took on features highly reminiscent of religion, collective worship, public confession, and requests for salvation, devotional poses and gestures, group prayer, the creation of new of a new pantheon of martyr figures to revere, and the adoption of liter, 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 liturgical rites and rituals. Children and teenagers have been encouraged to publicly repent for their sins, with the original sin being white privilege. He then goes on to tell a story about young people espousing this nonsensical statement. I, I really do say nonsensical because, listen, I grew up Catholic. And with all due respect, many of these things are founded in faith, meaning you have to just believe and have faith in what these tenets are. I see the exact same thing, and that's why I reject it. Perhaps these people didn't grow up with religion, so they don't understand what it is they're doing, embracing a new non-theistic religion. Let's read a little bit more. He goes on to say, you can tell these demonstrators enjoy state backing because they are commonly in direct violation of legal directives, still on the books, which prohibit mass gatherings due to the still raging pandemic. Not only have the, have the demonstrations been permitted, they have been avowedly endorsed and participated in by the very elected officials whose orders nominally prohibit them. For example, Executive Order 202038, decreed by Governor J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, still currently in effect bars any gathering of more than 10 people statewide. But on June 19th, Pritzker himself took part in, in a Chicago rally for, uh, of far greater than 10 people, at which no social distancing was evident. Theoretically, he could be subject to prosecution for violating his own order. Needless to say, there were no exemptions in the order for Juneteenth com 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 uh, commemorations. The religious fervor underlying these demonstrations is undoubtedly a significant factor in why they have been granted license to supersede legal strictures relating to the pandemic. In some cases, more traditional religious leaders have offered personal legitimation. Cheryl Garb, senior pastor at First Wayne Street United Methodist Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana, described witnessing smoke bombs go off in the parking lot of her church on the Caddock first night of rioting in the city. Subsequently, Garb made the very tough decision to install massive, unsightly wooden boards on the exterior of the church in order to protect the stained glass windows. Quote, I felt like if we if we did not protect the church and something happened, it would be another reason for people to criticize the movement. I felt like to have a church damaged could potentially be destructive to us addressing the issue of social justice. Absolutely incredible. I'm looking at all this. These churches are being told they can't sing. They can't gather. But many church leaders still embrace this. I'm watching people have their businesses burnt to the ground. And what do they say? Well, I still support the protests in the Chaz in Seattle. Several businesses are filing a lawsuit against the city. And their opening paragraph says, we do not condemn the protesters. We support their rights and their messages while they're simultaneously suing the city. I'm sorry. Nonsense. 100% nonsense. You can't simultaneously support this and then sue against it.
but this is what we're seeing. State backed religion. New York City will paint Black Lives Matter on street in front of Trump Tower. Now, listen, if you want to adhere to any religion, I got no beef. I don't care what it is. And if you like Black Lives Matter, you shouldn't take issue with it being called a non-theistic religion. It holds all of those tenets. You have original sin, which is, I believe, unique to, to Christian, uh, Christian religions. But you have your privilege, you have your repentance, you have your unfalsifiable claims that if you reject racism, it proves you're racist. Well, there you go. The state should not be painting political messages or non or religious messages on the streets. You can argue whatever you want about politics or religion. Fine, I don't care. But the point is, New York City painting this opens up the street to be a public forum. Therefore, anyone should be allowed to paint anything they want on the streets. Unfortunately, the issue, the, the greater issue here is that the state has embraced and is backing this religion. That's why it seems like Trump is the only one fighting back. The people that want to tear down these statues are fanatics. They don't know what they're tearing down or why. And that's why they tear down abolitionists. I'm sorry. There is, it's, it's, a, it's a fact, not an opinion. Let me tell you the fact. These rioters and fanatics have torn down abolitionist statues. Fact. You want to call them protesters? Okay, fine. I call them fanatics. That's my opinion. But it is a fact they have torn down abolitionists. My opinion on the matter? If you claim to be fighting racism, but tear down statues of people who have actually fought racism, that makes literally no sense. I'm sorry. Anything you argue after the fact is just justification for tearing down actual anti-racist images. Now, the argument they have is that these were erected by white supremacist structures. They change the definition of words. They rename streets. They paint their messages in the streets. They're tearing down statues. Celebrities are coming out and crying. And I'll do I'll have more segments on this later. But listen, I'm telling you this now. The most important thing for you to understand is that Black Lives Matter is the official brand name of a non-theistic religion known as intersectionality. Black Lives Matter emerged, I believe, in response to Trayvon Martin. It had a specific purpose. Listen to Dave Chappelle and you will hear that purpose and you will hear what he's talking about. But listen to these people and they are preaching some kind of religion. So I ask, why is it that the overwhelming majority of these people are white? Why are they not black? Because it is a progressive movement and it's always been. It's been a white progressive movement. Progressive activists in this country are overwhelmingly white and have college degrees and make more than six figures. But we are really entering a dangerous place, in my opinion. The new generation of young people have, are, are almost entirely adopting a religion. They're becoming overtly religious. It's amazing because many people thought that Gen Z would be more religious in terms of Christianity. I don't believe so. Take a look at this story from Michigan. Michigan GOP candidate blames liberal universities for brainwashing his daughter with Marxist ideologies after she told residents, please, for the, for the love of God, do not vote for my dad in a viral tweet. I'm sorry, man. I, I actually will blame the parents on this one. OK, if you don't raise your kids properly and give them mental fortitude and train them, you end up with incels and you end up with zealots. You end up with people with a deranged worldview that can't function properly on their own. If your children are disavowing you because you sent them to this university where they were indoctrinated, it is your fault, period. Now, this young woman's an adult. Fine. And I can blame the, 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 the fanatics and the preachers, the firebrands of, of intersectionality. But the reality is too many parents think they can hand off their kids to some institution and think that that's it. They'll be raised properly. 
And then they're surprised. But it's the liberal university who did this. Sure. But you are the parent who should have prepared your child to better understand the world, to have the mental fortitude to resist brainwashing and cult-like ideologies. She couldn't do it. So this is what you get. Your own children disavowing you. You can say whatever you want, but it's sad, really. But anyway, outside of the blame game, my opinion, this is a really good example of religious fervor. This young woman disavowing her own family is insane. It really is. Hey, at least Christianity has honor thy thy father and thy mother. This doesn't. The religion of intersectionality says disavow your own family members. Now, that's why I would actually call it more of a cult, but it's become so mainstream. I guess you'd call it a religion. But to me, what makes something a cult, at least one aspect, is trying to sever people from their relationships. Religions literally don't do that. I mean, colloquially, they may when you get people saying, you know, like, I won't, you know, I will, I'll disavow my children if they're LGBTQ or something like that. But the Bible doesn't say to do those things. It actually says to honor thy father and thy mother. Anything that happens culturally after the fact is, in my opinion, not necessarily related to religion, but more the culture built around it, which is problem, which, which can be problematic. In this instance, the cult is telling you to abandon your family. That way they can keep you away. This is what cults do. They pull you from your family. They feed you all this information. They exploit your vulnerabilities. And this is what we have now. These people are going to go to prison. But I tell you this, heed my warning. As these state-backed religions expand or the state-backed religion expands, you can arrest the people for tearing down the statues. I assure you, if Donald Trump gets, uh, doesn't get reelected and Biden gets in, you will see all of these people arrested for tearing down statues pardoned. They will be pardoned and they will be released. We are already watching morality policing take place. The state is already sanctioning these religious events. Okay? Read Peter Bogosian, okay? You got you to read this stuff, and I, and I mean it. This is an article. I'll include it in the description below. This is from Patheos. Now, I believe this, I don't, I don't know who this is written by, uh, Gene Vyth. Patheos, I believe, is Sam Harris's book, Intersectionality as Religion. Read up on this stuff, and you will start to understand. And maybe you can talk to your friends about how they're embracing religious tenets. They might not want to hear it because many of them have been indoctrinated into a religion. But this is what's happening. This is the weird fracturing which creates the political homeless. The people of strong mental fortitude who have never been overtly religious are sitting back and saying no to this the same as they would any religion. And it creates a weird position where you have religious conservatives, be it Christianity, Judaism, or otherwise, and you have intersectional theists or, or intersectional religious folks, yeah, cultists, whatever you want to call it. People like me, I grew up Catholic. I left the church. I consider myself to be non-theistic, but I, I wouldn't say spiritual. I do personally, I do believe in God, but I don't believe in any one of these one religions because the way I view, uh, the way I see religion for the most part is everybody trying to look at the same room through a keyhole. They can't see the big picture, but they're all seeing little bits. You got to find the truth somewhere w- w- within there. But I guess you can call it some kind of agnostic, not necessarily non-theistic for sure. I am seeing people who just want secular view, like secular, um, a a, a secular kind of worldview, politics, and a separation of church and state resisting all of this. But if you want to understand what's what's happening now and what's going to happen, you should read up on this stuff from Sam Harris and people like Peter Bogosian and James Lindsay and Helen Pluckrose. They're the Sokol Squared uh, uh, hoaxers. You should check out their stuff. Read about intersectionality as a religion, and they'll start breaking things down to help you better understand it. 
But I'll wrap it up with this. The state has already sanctioned this religion. Is there going to be a lawsuit? There have been. Will it do anything? Maybe not because they've infiltrated too much. It could be too late at this point. I guess we'll see how things play out, but I'm not optimistic at this point. Like they're, they're, morality placing is here. They're going to start arresting people. The FBI will arrest them. Watch what happens after Trump, if Trump loses reelection, Biden will get in and Biden will announce at the federal level, the FBI will pardon all of these people who tore down these statues because, because the statues are bigotry, blah, blah, blah. That's my prediction. I guess we'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews, and I will see you all then. A couple of days ago, we heard that the National Guard was being activated in Wisconsin and reactivated in Washington, D.C., because they had brought in the National Guard, then brought them back out. But yes, people, the rioting has not stopped. The protests have not stopped. You're not hearing about it as much in the media because the media gets bored with things, and they require constant escalation to keep attention. So what happens is you get these gradually escalating riots to this crazy point where there's looting and vandalism and destruction. And then when things simmer down a little bit, but don't stop, it's not shocking anymore. So the average person moves on and now they're chasing after the COVID narrative. People are still protesting. An occupation has been set up in New York City, like a weird little autonomous zone type thing, kind of like an Occupy Wall Street protest, which is surprising because the city normally doesn't allow this and take a heavy hand against it. But now here we go. Maybe it's because Bloomberg is gone. But Donald Trump is now saying the other day that hundreds of people have been arrested for toppling statues. I want to make sure I get the, the he didn't give a specific number, but according to CBS, they say President Trump is applauding the arrests of hundreds of people in the wake of toppling statues and monuments nationwide during protests against racial injustice. He says, I mean, you're also talking about statues of George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. They'd like to get Jesus. You know that, right? They said, we want to get Jesus. Mr. Trump told Sean Hannity at a Fox News town hall in Green Bay, Wisconsin. After calling Chicago worse than Afghanistan, Mr. Trump revived an argument he made in 2018 for stop and frisk, the practice of police temporarily detaining, questioning, and searching civilians in the street for possible contraband uh, proved controversial. With critics pointing to data showing it disproportionately targeted people of color before it was halted in New York City. So here's what Trump says. He says, Bloomberg blew it because he went crazy with it and ultimately took away a lot of rights. And it uh, it wasn't a good job he did. But former mayor and current lawyer Rudy Giuliani started stop and frisk and he did a great, he did a great, uh, he did a great, it was a great thing he did for New York. I I don't want to read too much into that. The main point is Trump is saying straight up that several, uh, that hundreds of people have now been arrested for the toppling of statues. The point he was making was that we don't have like law enforcement agencies aren't putting out press releases every single time they make an arrest for somebody who, who helped tear down a statue. Hopefully that's true. I don't believe it because the Department of Justice, is my understanding, does sometimes put out these press releases. And you'd think we'd hear about something somewhere, I guess, even in conservative media, people have a, a vested interest in figuring out what's going on. And there are conservative journalists who would write about something like this, but we're not hearing it. So you know what? Fine. I guess you can take Trump's word for it. I'd like to see some, some hard evidence on these people who are being arrested. But these protests have not stopped. And I kid you not, about an hour or two before uh, recording this video, they were still rioting and looting in Portland. Now, OK, I know, I know it's Portland, right? What am I supposed to say? <laughs> no one's surprised by what Portland is doing. And I tell you what, man, I, I, I know it might sound like beating a dead horse. And, I, and I, I'm a bit reticent to even say it. But listen, we're a month in, okay, to nonstop 
protest and rioting almost over a month at this point. It was, I believe it was the 24th of May when George Floyd lost his life and the protests are up there only a few days after. So we're now moving out, you know, longer than a month of protesting across this country. Now, for the most part, the, the, the craziest riots and looting stopped in the first week, but it's still been going on. All right. So I, I think I actually can show you this tweet here from Andy No. He said at uh, 8.01 a.m., police finally dispersed Antifa rioters after a long night of early uh, of early mor- long night and early morning of violence and arson attacks in North Portland. It started with an autonomous zone occupation at the North Precinct before devolving into street fires and looting. It has been going on for a month, longer than a month now. It's not stopping. So what am I supposed to what's what's supposed to happen? Who's supposed to take care of this? I honestly have no idea. But Trump has ragged on all of these cities. He says Democratic cities like Baltimore and Oakland are so lawless, it's like living in hell and claims Chicago is worse than Afghanistan during town hall, then warns Biden will destroy our country. Well, Trump's a little exaggerated there, but I understand the sentiment and I don't think it's, he's wrong. These cities are in really bad shape. In, in the Oakland, in the Bay Area, people have to put signs in their windows pledging allegiance to wokeness. Otherwise, people will destroy their windows. And it's not an exaggeration. Go to Berkeley, walk down the street and look at the businesses and you will see the signs in the windows. It's, it's, it's really creepy. We know what those signs really mean. You know, the signs will say something like Black Lives Matter. They'll, it'll, it'll be the Revolution Fest. But they may as well just write, please spare my store. They'll write, my, my, they may as well write things like, you know, please don't hurt my family. Please spare my business, whatever. Because that's what they're really saying. There was a, a famous video from the Hamburg G20 protests of all of these storefronts completely smashed out, save one. And you know why that one wasn't? Right in the middle, everything else destroyed. Because it had, I think, in the window, it had like an Antifa symbol. And so they left it alone. Isn't it funny how that works, how they force compliance? And boy, are they. There's a lot of creepy stuff going on. It is getting creepier by the minute. They are pulling out all the stops right now as we head into November. And I I wonder what this really means, because you can argue that the left is going crazy. You can argue that's going to help Trump. I can't, you know, look, I am of the opinion right now, and I'm not entirely convinced Donald Trump is going to win. I know it was not even that long ago. I was saying, I think Trump's going to landslide. I can't, I don't believe the polls. Now I'm starting to, to shift a little bit away from that. And I'm leaning towards, I think right now, Trump is, if he stays exactly as he's doing right now, I think Trump will lose. All of these riots going on. And I'm seeing posts on Facebook from my friends saying, we have no leaders. We have no leadership. And I'm like, so if, if the idea that Trump is trying to in, enforce is that the, the states and the mayors are responsible for their cities. It doesn't seem to be working among many of my friends who are not super political. They think Trump is supposed to do everything. And maybe that's the strategy of many of the Democrats as to why the Democratic cities are just letting things go nuts, because they know in the end, many of these governors, mayors, whatever, are not up for reelection. And so when people go to the voting voting booth and they're like, everything's bad, I want to change, they'll vote for change. It doesn't matter if Biden is better or worse. It doesn't matter if Trump is better or worse. It matters if things are bad right now. But I don't know. Because the other side of that argument is with these riots, people are going to demand law and order, right? They're going to be mad at the mayors and governors. And so they're going to vote for Trump because Trump is the strong candidate who's condemning all of this. But that implies people are smart enough to understand the president doesn't have the power to a certain degree to actually do anything. So I'm not convinced. I was, uh, there's an, there's an article. I want to read, I want to read about these cities first, but I really want to get into this. Actually, no, let's just, let's just jump right into it. 
Take a look at this, uh, this tweet I posted. I said, I think Trump is on track to lose in November. So many Trump supporters convinced they can't possibly lose. The polls are wrong again, et cetera, et cetera. Look at the fervent masses out in the streets. People are going nuts. And with mail-in voting, I bet turnout skyrockets. This video right here is night three, Occupy City Hall. This is in New York. People are occupying a, it's a, it's, it's, it looks like it's bigger than Occupy Wall Street was. Now, I find it suspect because when Occupy Wall Street was, was forming, the police went nuts and started beating the crap out of people, dragging them out of the park and all that stuff. And it actually made things worse. The city is now allowing these people to do these things. Many cities are allowing them to, uh, to do these things. The autonomous zone in Seattle was ignored and then multiple shootings happened. And now they're finally wiping things up. But I have to wonder how much of this is the Democratic operatives trying to take advantage of the outrage. And I really do think that's what we're seeing. I don't think there's a grand conspiracy, but I do think there's opportunists. So after the death of George Floyd, Democrats knew exactly what they had on their hands and went nuts with it. The reason I think that's the case, I don't think they started the protests. I think they tried to weasel in and, and, and you know, guide the sales, essentially. The, exam- the, the, the best example I can come up with or that, that's, that exemplifies this to me, is that after four nights, after four shootings in three nights, some CHOP committee emerges in Seattle announcing that they're disbanding the protest. And that if you want to support the revolution, vote for Joe Biden. And I laughed harder than I've ever laughed. Okay, now I'm, and I'm not, I'm exaggerating because I didn't laugh that hard, but I laughed. It's funny because I, I remember Occupy Wall Street. And if you told the people at Occupy Wall Street to vote for Obama for the revolution to reelect him, they would have laughed in your face. Someone probably would have punched you. So for the Chaz Chop far leftists who are fighting with cops to now all of a sudden be advocating for Joe Biden as the revolution, I really, really, really think, okay, and I think you got to agree with me because you'd be nuts to think otherwise. These are Democratic operatives who have tried to seize the message of the protests and use it to their advantage. These protests that are popping up all over. Portland, okay, fine, I get it. Portland, we, we know what Portland is. New York, I also get it too. But you've got these, you've got people coming out with more zeal and uh, uh, zealotry than we've seen from, uh, from a, in a long time. Here's, here's what I got to say, man. These protests haven't stopped and Trump hasn't done anything about it. Maybe Trump shouldn't. One of the arguments is that they're trying to bait him into using an authoritarian hand, which results in him losing. And the argument in favor of how this benefits Trump is that when you have violent riots, then people swing towards law and order. Well, we are having violent riots for sure. The press is focused on the peaceful protesters. So you have to, under, you have to, you have to understand this. They may, they may understand what they're doing, okay? The study that was pushed recently, which allegedly got a guy fired, not, they're saying it maybe, maybe he didn't. It was this lefty you know, social scientist tweeted out a study showing that after the MLK riots, the uh, polls swung in favor of Republicans because riots scare people. They, the, the argument was that peaceful protests generate positive press coverage and talking points, and violent riots result in uh, negative talking points and fear. And when people are scared, they vote for the authority, they vote for the law and order candidate. Well, what's been happening? When these violent riots erupted, what did the news say? Peaceful protesters. There will be peace. In Minneapolis, when they were burning down the Minneapolis third precinct, what did MSNBC say? They said, now these protests are still mostly peaceful. And there it was. Why do you think they keep calling them peaceful protests? 
These people know what they're doing. Now, look, you got to a lot of people fall into this conspiracy mindset and you got to understand there's 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 an idea called a standalone complex. Actually, I think it's from the, the anime Ghost in the Shell. Great show, by the way. And the idea is that a bunch of people act in a similar manner, which creates the illusion of a concerted effort. So people think it's a conspiracy. It's actually a bunch of people doing similar things. I would argue that this is that phenomenon. All of these, these Democratic operatives, all of these Democrats in media, all of these lunatic activists who, who eschew objectivity, they're not coordinating anything. They just all want Trump to lose. So when the guy at MSNBC says it's a peaceful protest, he's not doing it because anyone told him to do it. He's doing it because he wants to support the protests. When CNN Cuomo says, who said protests need to be peaceful? No one told him to do it. Well, I, I, actually, in, in Cuomo's case, maybe because he's a puppet and he hates his job. I don't know if you, you remember that. He's complaining about his job. And he hates doing it. They probably told him what to say. The people at, the people at CNN watched rioters destroy their lobby and now they're scared. And so they got on their knees sobbing like little whiny babies with no spine. But many of them want Trump to lose. That's it's CNN. I mean, look, Time Warner contributed to Hillary Clinton. Here's what you got to consider, man. All of these riots, you might be thinking that's going to help Donald Trump. And I agree they would if the media called them violent riots. They don't. They call them peaceful protesters. What did the BBC say? You know, it was like like, uh, in the UK, I think 27 police officers injured at mostly peaceful demonstration. Oh, and conservatives can laugh all day and night. Ha ha ha. But then what do they say? When the right comes out, and this is in the UK, mind you, so it's not necessarily one for one compared to the United States. But when the right wing people came out, not even necessarily right wing, just like locals and British like patriots or whatever, I don't know what you want to call them, people who like the, their country, they said violent far right escalation, blah, blah, blah. There's some speculation that regular people can see through this. I'm not convinced. I am not convinced. And you've got uh, right now Trump is polling at, according to the New York Times, Siena, uh, 36% to Biden's 50%. Perhaps what you're really seeing is the 36% of people who most of them watch what's going on. They, they read like the Daily Wire and Fox News and they're seeing these things. But it's funny when people, when polls come out from Fox News that say Trump is underwater, from Rasmussen saying his approval rating is way down and people are like, the polls are wrong. I insist. I'm like, you're nuts, man. I'm sorry. There's a threshold for the polls being wrong. Many of the polls in 2016 were within the margin of error. What people need to realize is that a lot of these polls showed Trump was down by several percentage points, which was a big, big swing. However, he still had enough electoral votes to win. He won in some places by thousands of votes. If the Democrats and these people learned their lesson, Trump can't possibly win. He can't. Now, I don't think it's that bad. I think Trump can win. I think the Republicans can win. But I think for all you Republicans, Trump supporters, whatever, it is going to be the fight of your lives. Absolutely. Because you got you to understand, man, don't if you if you underestimate the Democrats, then you would be a fool. In 2016, they lost because they were they were idiots who put up a terrible candidate and didn't realize what was going on. Within a few years later, they still didn't understand what had happened and why they had lost. 
But now it seems like they're just, instead of trying to figure out why they lost, they're just doing, it reminds me of the Jericho missile from Iron Man, just standing back and just carpet bombing everything. Everything is going wrong. The economy's collapsing, mass riots in the streets. You've got a pandemic, Trump, orange man scandal with China. They are just saying, you know what? Just do all of it. And maybe the chaos is too much for the average American to bear. And they just say, please make it stop. And they don't vote for Trump because of it. Maybe many people blame Trump or maybe they don't. We really don't know. It seems like they're going nuts. But let me let me tell you, with all of these protests and riots exploding across the country, man, the polling, the the polling that was done in 2016, many of it was was wrong, wrong, wrong. Their predictions were way off. Their predictions were based off polls that were wrong because they didn't understand the culture war. At least that's what I that's partly uh, what I think played a role in this, that people who never voted before came out to vote for Trump many of them for PC reasons or culture war reasons. They may be making the same mistake. They do not understand how the culture war is changing how we vote. A good example would be someone like me. I am liberal on economic policy. I lean slightly to the left. I like a public option plan. I don't like universal. I I actually really, really love the idea of universal health care. I just don't know if we can ever actually make it work. That's the challenge. I'd love to have a system where everybody has everything they've ever needed without question. It sounds great. Sounds like a utopian, beautiful future we cannot do. So I'm a realist. Idealistically, I'm actually fairly far left libertarian. I'd love a hippie world where we all get to, you know, live like Star Trek with replicators and, you know, maybe beautiful. Everybody can share in the great bounty of a post-scarcity world, but we're not there. So uh, realistically, eh, more of a moderate lefty liberal type. Here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. I lean left on many cultural issues and many political issues, but the current democratic establishment, the protesters and the mainstream left are out of their minds. I got to do a segment on this later. You see the Jenna Mar- you know who Jenna Marbles is? She's a YouTuber with 20 million subscribers. And she did this whole self-flagellation apology video where she's like, I can't believe I made all these jokes. Like the most nightma- nightmarishly pathetic thing I've ever seen. So here's where we're at. I lean left. I'm not going to vote for Trump based on the economy. I don't care. I don't care about the economy. I know a lot of people do. But what these people aren't taking into consideration, which is good for Trump, is the culture war. And I've seen those progressives. I don't know if you saw my video on my main channel over at TimCast.net several days ago, where progressive host Kyle Kalinske said the culture war is a bad bet, that Trump needs to get on economic issues, but he's not, you know, he's he's, going to lose because of it. I'm not entirely convinced. When they poll people at the national level, it's not that important because we know that people in California are fired up, but California doesn't matter. They're going to vote blue. The issue is Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, the blue wall states, Florida, the swing states and some states may actually swing in a direction we don't realize. We, we, it's unpredictable and it's hard to know for sure. Based on what the Democrats are doing, I think Trump is on track to lose, not just because of the, 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 media, the, the media claiming it's all peaceful, not calling Trump all the worst names in the book. They're trying everything. And that puts Trump at a major disadvantage. National polls this bad are they're bad. You can try and pretend that it's, it's, it's the polls, polls are wrong again. That'd be a mistake. Now, it's possible that the economy is less of a factor. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, Moody's analytics said that they, they, they didn't prop. Moody's, Moody's has been historically uh, accurate until Donald Trump. And 
they said that they didn't take certain things into account, you know, the, the Trump's voter base and things like that. I still don't think they are. I don't think people realize how influential the culture war will be. So the point I was trying to make earlier is that someone like me, who's slightly on the left economically, but is leaning towards voting for Trump. I, I'm not, I'm, you know, people keep saying like the, the left is saying, Tim absolutely will vote for Trump. People on the right are saying, Tim, when are you going to announce you're voting for Trump? I'll, I'll, I'll do it when I think he's, he's, he's the, the right choice as we move forward. I'm not entirely convinced right now. I don't know what the alternative is, but we will see. Right now, Trump seems to be talking more about personal grievances. And I, look, you got, address it or don't. He's tweeting. His tweets seem just mostly complaints. His rallies are talking about how he doesn't like people, you know, the people who are mean to him. Where is his conversation about corruption? He's talking a bit about culture war issues. That's true. But he's not leaning heavy enough into what he's going to do about it. And what is he doing about it? And what are Republicans doing about it? Republicans, in my opinion, have done nothing. Now, okay, there's an authoritarian versus libertarian argument, right? That the Republicans shouldn't necessarily be doing things. The problem is the Democrats are. They've literally gotten on bent knee to the woke insanity. And I, as a moderate liberal person, look, I love the Daily Show with Jon Stewart. You know, back in the day, we had real comedy. George Carlin was not a conservative guy. Neither is Dave Chappelle. That's what I like. I like a mature, responsible, confident talk. And if you want to talk about real ideas, we can do it. The culture war is a huge issue for me. When they tear down statues of abolitionists, when they tear down statues of our founding fathers, that freaks me out. Trump says he's arrested several hundred people. I like that. That's a good thing. Will that swing many Americans? Not if he can't get his message out. And that's, that's what they're trying to restrict. Twitter is now censoring him. So I am not convinced. And you know what, man? I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll put it, I could, I could rant on this for a really, really long time, but I won't, I won't go on too much longer. Listen, how many, how many people in this space, independent media, be it conservative or otherwise, warned that if the Republicans did not deal with censorship, they would be crushed. Everybody, every single person, libertarian, moderate, centrist, conservative. And now here we are. Trump is being drowned by negative press, as he's always done, as, as, as always. And many people are blaming him. Don't believe me. Look, I'm telling you, man, you, I think Trump can win for sure. I think he's in bad track right now. I'm looking at what my friends are posting. I'm looking at what people like Look, I, I, have a, I know a bunch of people from Chicago who are apolitical, and I'm seeing what they're posting. And while many people have been activated more to the right towards Trump's camp simply because of the culture war, I don't think it's a guarantee. The culture war is hot, hot, hot right now. It is aflame, and mail-in voting is coming. So as I said before, this may be the case. You get all of these kids who are, who are you know, memeing and TikToking and all these things to go after Trump, and they make it a meme game to vote against Trump because it'll be funny or something like that. They figure out how to weaponize um, the, the power of, you know, youth meme viral campaigns. All those mail-in votes are going to put Trump at a major, a major disadvantage. Moody's analytics said that if the economy remains strong, they wouldn't, the Democrats would need historic turnout to defeat Trump. The economy is in the gutter because of COVID. Many people are smart enough to realize that's not Trump's fault. And the polls actually favor Trump on the economy. Most polls show that the American people would prefer Trump over Biden in repairing the economy. So Trump still has that economic advantage. However, the economy is bad. Many people aren't paying attention. So they'll just vote against Trump, blaming him for COVID like the media has been doing over and over again. In which case, will mail-in votes give the left 
many uh, a much higher turnout? I believe the answer will be yes. And that's literally the argument the Democrats have made. We want to make sure everyone votes. You can't argue against it. If everyone votes and they vote against Trump and Trump loses, well, hey, that's how the system works. So what you need to do is figure out your messaging. Everybody's going to play dirty. So it's hard to know uh, exactly how do you deal how you deal with this. But I'll tell you what, man, uh, here's what I think will happen. I think if Joe Biden wins, you take a look at like the Jenna Marbles video, one of the OG YouTubers, 20 million subs crying because she made naughty jokes. It's, it's mind blowing to me that you can have 20 million subs, get millions of views, all loving you, and then get a few nasty tweets and think that represents all people. So sh- these people have lost the plot. What do you think is going to happen if Biden wins and these people actually take over? Nancy Pelosi was on bent knee to these people. It's not, it's, I mean, that literally she went in whatever, whatever that building was with Schumer and other Democrats, and they got on their knees for these people. Trump will never kneel. That I can respect. These people have lost the plot. They've gone nuts. They're, they're dogmatic ideologues. When Biden wins, they take over. And then guess what? Conservatives will do nothing. They won't protest. They, 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 they won't run. They won't pass bills. They won't, they'll do nothing. They'll do nothing. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just what happens. Moderates, of course, will do nothing. They'll just sit back and say, oh, well, you know. But the left goes around smashing things, occupying, protesting, surrounding buildings. They're organized. And that's why they're, 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 they're winning so much. Trump was a shock to the system. But Trump ran when the Democrats were weakened by the revolution, the civil war with the Democratic Party, splitting them and giving Trump an opportunity to, 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 to come in. Now the Democrats have bowed to the mob, to the far left, meaning they are in control. There's no dispute. They know what they want and they don't want Trump. But I don't know for sure. Some of these people may, may want to see the, the final blow end the Democratic establishment, in which case, with Bernie Sanders being knocked out, they let Trump take it to cause all of these Democrats to come crawling and begging to them. They're already doing it now. They're already doing it now, right? Nancy Pelosi couldn't even stand up after she kneeled. She kneeled for these people. And there it is. They'll smash up your businesses. They'll shut down your favorite shows. They'll ban your movies. They'll fire your favorite actors. They're repealing civil rights law in California. We, I know what comes next after Biden wins, after they put him in his little wheelchair with a blanket on his lap and wheel him into the sun and he sits there and falls asleep all day and doesn't do his job because he can't. What happens next? I think many of these far leftists are probably thinking, you know what? We couldn't get Bernie, but the next best thing is a do nothing failure of a Democrat, giving them the opportunity to take the reins and take over. And that's what you'll get. So if you really think Trump should win, then you better, you better not have that mentality that you've got it guaranteed. You better fight for your life. And for the people who, for some reason, want Biden, which I don't believe really exists, uh, the same goes for you, man. Trump supporters aren't backing down. Trump supporters are, uh, they, they, they love this man. They love him. Even his, his critics, they want him to win. It's unpredictable, man. It really, really is. You know, things can change a whole lot very, very fast. We could be a month out from the election and some, you know, bomb goes off or something and all of a sudden Trump wins 100%. No idea. I'll leave it there though. Stick around. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel and I will see you all then. There's an old saying in journalism, what's bad for them is good for us. And what this means is that when chaos ensues around the country and around the world, journalists make money. They love it. Now, feel free to criticize me for constantly talking about negative things, but this is the reality of journalism, whether it's intentional or not. People like talking about crazy things because it gets people's attention. 
I explained this earlier when I talked about why you're not hearing about the protests anymore, that as the, pro- as, as the protests and riots escalated to this extreme point where people go- were going around smashing up businesses, people were tuned in and paying attention. What was bad for them was good for the journalists, good for the media outlets. Eventually, things slowed down, but the protests did continue. All of a sudden, these kind of fell out of the news cycle. You weren't hearing about the 60,000 people marching through Seattle because it was no longer shocking. This was becoming normal and people were getting bored with it, thinking, I know. So people in media love it when chaos happens. It is good for business. The reason I bring this up, NYPD police commissioner admits that New York City's criminal justice system is imploding after 75 are injured in 55 shootings in one week following weeks of lawlessness. I thought to myself when I saw this story, why is this happening? Why is New York, why, why aren't the police able to do their job? Why did they get rid of this 600, you know, uh, police officer unit, the plainclothes crime unit reassigning these officers? And why are we seeing stories like this? Minneapolis council puts plan to abolish police in motion. They're moving forward with getting rid of their police department. Certainly regular Americans like their cops. They do. The polls show it. Do people believe in police reform? 100%. Now, I mean, people, I mean, 100% in the fact that people do. It's absolute. The actual number, I believe, is around 79% of Americans polled want some kind of reform. Most people do. There was one really interesting reform I saw out of uh, Colorado that police officers would be liable for up to $25,000 if they violate your civil rights. I kind of like it. Now, the unions may still get their back, but I I was thinking about what was happening with these unconstitutional lockdown orders. It's the individual cops who'd have to enforce it and they could be responsible. But anyway, I digress. Why why are the police under fire? Honestly, I don't think it's a conspiracy or anything like that. A lot of people like to assume that someone behind the scenes pulling strength. It's not that. It's that each individual member of the media, and to an extent myself included, I'm worthy of criticism in this as well, They love putting out a narrative that creates chaos. That way, what's bad for you is good for us. That's what they say, right? Here's what I'm trying to get at. New York City, it's going crazy. And what do we hear from journalists? Cops are bad. Cops are bad. There's a video going around right now of Black Lives Matter protesters going into a restaurant, uh, chanting something like, people are, as you're dining, people are dying. And that's quite literally just not true. I believe uh, the, late, the, the, the latest stats we have about 2019, I, I believe it's 2019 shootings of unarmed black men, nine. While that's a serious problem and a violation of, of one person's civil liberties is a threat to all, to all of us, and we absolutely need to figure out why these people lost their lives, to act like it's, it's the collapse of our generation, it's the collapse of society because nine people died is, is, is patently absurd. 330 million people. But why did they get, uh, in this country, why did they get so much attention? The media won't show you the stories where, for for the most part, it used to be this way. But now that we have social media, they're not going to show you the stories of the cops saving people's lives. There's there's not going to be video of the cops saving someone's life. And it's very, very simple, actually. Cops are supposed to do that, right? So no one cares when cops do what they're supposed to do. And they typically do. But when a cop does something they're not supposed to do, all of a sudden now it becomes a major, major catastrophe. I told the story before. I was in Chicago and I was crossing the street when some guy started threatening me very, very subtly at first and slowly escalating, demanding my money. And he was a lot taller than me. He was a tall dude. He's like six, five. I didn't have any money. Uh, it's, I was, I'm from the South side. You guys know that. And so I was, I was on the North side, hanging out with friends. 
And I was going to my friend's house and I thought it was hilarious that here I am, this, this broke dude getting mugged by this guy. And he's, and he starts threatening me saying that he doesn't want to have to get, you know, physical, but things could get dangerous. And I'm, I'm honestly, I was just walking, like kind of laughing to myself. I'm like, what's this guy going to do? Okay. I don't got, you can take, you can frisk my pockets. I don't got nothing. But all of a sudden some cops came out of nowhere, grabbed him, slammed him up against the fence. And I kid you not, the cop yelled, not in my town. Turns out this guy had tried shaking down some young women. Cops noticed him, started following him, saw him come up to me and do the same thing. Nobody films that. Nobody films that kind of stuff when that actually happens. And people often complain, where were the cops? Why won't the cops stop things? Well, well they, can't, they can't stop every single crime. But no one's going to put up the video when the cop actually does his job. We're now seeing New York City facing serious catastrophe. I mean, to be fair, 75 people injured in 55 shootings. Look at the Seattle, Ch- the Chaz Chop, four shootings in three days. Minneapolis now has a massive homeless camp overrunning th- this district where they refuse to call the cops. Because the media keeps putting out stories about officers bad. Everything is worse than it's ever been. You are unhappy. You hate life. The end is nigh. Now, again, throw some shade my way. I think we are dangerously close to some kind of civil war, but I'm not the only one saying it. I don't I don't I don't do these stories. I don't talk about what's going on to tell you that it's worse than it's ever been. Or, you know, it's 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 an avalanche, I suppose. And again, self-critical. Okay, totally, totally get it. But I want to remind you of the importance of police. I want to make sure that there's actually some stable middle ground where I can say police need to do their jobs. We need police. We can't release criminals. Instead, what we get is a, a mostly leftist media. And they do this because it's calamity, because it sells. So I can do the milk toast fence sitting thing. And some of my, some, some, uh, many of my videos are now reaching that point, I would say, in talk of real street violence and civil war. These make up a tiny fraction, to be completely honest, of the thousands of segments I've produced and the f- nearly four hours of content I put out every single day. When you look at what most of these media outlets do, though, they will tell you this cop was evil, this cop was bad. The activists will tell you this cop is evil, this cop is bad. And that's what I'm specifically focused on. Certainly, there's some middle ground. Certainly, it's complicated, right? But if you're only getting a media that's not showing you the nuance and not explaining these things to you, then certainly you think that the police are the worst ever. Which brings me to where we are now as a society in terms of conservative versus liberal. Liberals just watch CNN and CNN will show you over and over again these horrifying police brutality videos. And then people get in their mind, the police must be an evil dystopian nightmare force. When in reality, as the police union in New York said, 375 million interactions, all overwhelmingly peaceful. And so I refer to this as the scaling problem, where if you have one police brutality incident, no one cares. But if you only have 100 interactions, that's 1%. It's not a big deal. 1% 1% of 100 million, though, is now a million negative interactions. And then people start freaking out because the media can cherry pick these things because what's bad for them is good for us. So they can put out the shot content. They can put out the, 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 you know, the videos of the cops doing really horrible things and not provide you with the all around context. I'll say for the 50 billionth time, self-critical. But I do try to say, like, even when I do videos on Antifa on the far left, pointing out they are a fringe faction. The issues I have as of recent with what's going on is that you now have government backing these ideological, non-theistic religious folks, painting their slogans in the street and supporting their protests amid a massive pandemic and then blaming everyone else. So here's, here's the big challenge. And we'll talk about what's going on with New York City and their chaos. 
The challenge is not that I think any of these outlets are wrong for, for highlighting this. Perhaps the real issue is that we are all snowflakes in this avalanche, myself included, that we want to highlight things we think are shocking and important, uh, and, and important, which includes police brutality and what's happening in New York City. And it creates a perspective of everything being nuts. I had some lefty guy. He always tweets at me. It's so annoying. It's like, dude, if you don't like what I'm tweeting, stop following. But he loves to hate me. He loves to hate me. And he's this lefty journalist guy. And the way he views the world is insane. He's tweeting things and posting these weird images where it's like he clearly only follows far left anti-police activists. So he really thinks there's a war going on with cops going out and just brutally beating everyone nonstop. You have these videos where kids, little kids see a cop and then all of a sudden they're crying, thinking the cop's going to beat them. It's like, you're, it, this is nuts. This is why most people like their cops. Now, with all that being said, perhaps this really does bode well for Donald Trump. In my previous segment, I talked about how I, I think Trump is actually on track to lose. And there are a lot of good points to be brought up as to why that is. And I, I still think it's fair to say. But let me, let me, let me provide an alternate, uh, alternate view as to what may actually happen when you see stories like this. If the media keeps creating the perception that cops are bad, eventually pe- a small fa- fraction of these lunatics who believe just and live in this weird bubble really do believe all cops are bad. Well, as we know from most polling, it's like 81% don't want police to be defunded or abolished, and they like their local departments. Personally, I really like my local cops. I live in a small town. They're good dudes. Talk to them on several occasions. Really nice, helpful. I got no, it's like, it is so dramatically different from the NYPD because the NYPD, I was not happy with, okay? I did not have very good interactions with the NYPD. I once got ripped off by a cabbie who was trying to, try, who was driving in circles, trying to mess with me to, to simplify the story. He was doing the zigzag thing. And when I called the, like, I refused to, I was like, I'm not paying for this. He threatened me physically and started getting in my face. So I'm like, I'm going to call the police. The cops actually just a threat threatened to arrest me I, right out right of the bat. They got out and they're like, you're, you're, we're going to arrest you right now. And the cops actually took my wallet and took my cash. So yeah, I've had bad interactions. I live in a small town uh, now, though. I think we can deal with some reform. I think we can figure out how to deal with these situations. But to think that all of these people believe this would be insane. They don't. So the media creates this perception because they're perhaps inadvertently chasing after what a narrative or it's the stories they think sell and it's what they do. I have similar criticism from people who say that I'm doing all of this as clickbait, but I try to do segments like this where I kind of like, you know, let's break things down to talk about the, is this rational? Is it not? The New York City Police Department has been faced with, with uh, now complaints and public pressure. They've gotten rid of a major division, 600 cops, their anti-crime unit, and now crime is going up. What do we hear from the left-wing activists, many of whom work in media? They believe that this is the V for Vendetta moment where Chancellor Sutler says, I want them to remember why they need us. Everyone thinks that, though. Both factions think the other side is doing it. That's what they think is happening. The cops are doing a slowdown on purpose to create crime so that they can justify their existence. I certainly don't think that's the case. I think that's far-fetched. I think most instances are dominoes falling over. It'd be so easy just to believe someone's pulling strings when in reality it's dominoes being lined up and then knocked right down. But let's get back to the the point I was going to make about Trump. It may be that because Trump has no agenda, what does he really campaign for? Four more years of Trump, right? That's what people, a lot of conservatives are saying this. He's done rallies where he's presented his personal grievances. He's personally slighted and offended for a lot of reasons and for good reason. And what has he offered up? 
I do think Bill Barr has done a fairly good job in many respects, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the coming months with Obamagate and many and, and, and this, uh, the Durham investigation. I'm not entirely confident. But what about the, what's coming next? Well, Donald Trump, I believe, should be focusing on recovery, economic recovery, COVID. Instead, he does these rallies where he complains about personal grievances. Not, not completely, but, but a lot. Some of it's really funny and entertaining, and that I get, and I understand why people like this. But when you see stories, uh, so I'll go back to, the, I want to make sure I get this point. When you see stories about Donald Trump, uh, I'm sorry, about, about the police being bad, it results in this. Police get put under public pressure due to fringe minorities who are wrapped up in nonsense. And then they end up believing crazy things. The police get, put, uh, get pressure put on them to, to pull things back. Crime skyrockets. And the real result, the physical result, is people being attacked in the streets. That, in my opinion, will result in a vote for a law and order candidate. So there's a lot of reasons why I think Trump has some good advantages, especially as the media goes insane. It's not, it's, perception is, to an ex, it's, it's very, very important, but let's not discount the real world experiences that people are facing. Let's say you don't watch the news and you go outside and you see someone throw a brick through a window. doesn't matter what your politics are. You go and buy a gun. And that was a story told to me by a friend of mine that they were, they, they, they were, I can't remember what city they were in, but they brought one of their lefty friends out and they actually watched some of the riots happen. And this lefty gun control type guy, your typical liberal, immediately went out and tried to figure out how to buy a gun. Now that's a perspective shift. You can talk in the media all day and night about the cops are bad. And, and, and we have two narratives that pop up. So the perspective could be all cops are bad and must be abolished. Or the perspective could be that crime is skyrocketing and we need our police back. It's a coin toss. But there's one thing, one thing that's, that's omitted in this whole conversation about whether or not this is going to benefit Trump. Physical reality and how it impacts the average person. So let's play a game. You put up two stories. One says crime skyrockets, no cops. One says police brutality, bad. Black lives matter. One person sees both and they drift towards one of the narratives. Maybe many people are drifting towards the black lives matter, police brutality, you know, uh, narrative. And because of this, they're now going to vote against Trump. Some, some of these people now go outside. And what do they see? Do they see police brutality? They don't. They don't see the cop beating anybody. They don't see cops kneeling on people. They do see crime. They do see riots. They did go out and see massive protests getting crazy. So when it comes to reality, I think there is a net uh, um, uh, favorable bias for Donald Trump. You will not personally experience police brutality. It is rare. It happens. It is rare. It is. And, and, and if we want to play the race game and say it, it, it mostly doesn't, you know, you want, you, want, you want to go by the Black Lives Matter narrative and say that white people often get let go. Well, there you go. Imagine you're a politically uninitiated white suburbanite and you go outside. You've been given these narratives, which is true. Crime is skyrocketing or police are evil. And what happens? You see a cop. What does the cop say? How's it going? Good day. Everyone's cool. You're all safe. Glad to hear it. Feel free to reach out to us whenever you need help. Oh, that's not what I read in the media. Then you walk down the street, and you see a bunch of crazy people in black masks throwing bricks through windows. The point I'm making, you are much more likely to have encountered the real world ramifications of physical violence from the protesters than you are from police. Now, it's true that I would say almost every interaction with the police people have are considered positive but can leave a sour taste in the mouths of many Americans because you get a ticket and you're like, man, now I'm upset. 
you're not, you know, when you get pulled over, you're not happy about it. Maybe you broke the law. Maybe you're speeding. Maybe you blew a stop sign. You get a ticket. You're unhappy. This creates an, an uh, it creates the slope required for the avalanche to start. But in my personal opinion, when you have these shootings, actually, I'll give you, I'll give you a better example. Tucker Carlson ran this segment where it was a 911 call from a woman in, I believe it was Fredericksville, Virginia. And she calls 911 because the protesters are on her car banging on it. And, she, and they say, we can't do anything. Is she blaming the police? Probably for not helping her. And guess what? Her response isn't going to be defund the police. It's why weren't the cops there for me? This regular American encountered violent protesters and rioters, and the police were told to stand down. She is not angry because the police officers themselves didn't come. She's angry at the system. She wanted the police to come. Now, now for sure, she's probably got some anger towards the police, but it's like this. Here's her levels of, 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 of happiness. Here's the police. Here's the protesters. The protesters and the police both go down, but the protesters go way, way down. Ultimately, many people may not go outside that often, especially with COVID. And so they may hear a lot about this and thus believe the police truly are this evil occupying force. But I believe for the most part, people are going to go outside and see nothing, absolutely nothing. And so they may be swayed. But factor into your math that you are more likely to have a friendly encounter with a cop than to be brutally beaten by them. And people might not believe the narrative. Add in these videos of violent riots and people are going to say, I've never experienced this. Look at these people destroying my city. There's a comic that people share to explain uh, Black Lives Matter. And it's, it's, I believe it's two pigeons and they're like sitting or two seagulls or something, two birds. They're sitting in chairs. And in the first panel, one of the birds says, do you believe all of this nonsense from Mr. Mouse about Mr. Owl being a predator? And then the other bird says, I can't believe it. I've never had any problems with Mr. Owl. And then the other bird says, see, exactly. The point they're making is that because Owl leaves you alone, it must not be a real issue. That's the perspective they're trying to show you to explain that certain people are being victimized by the police. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. But they miss the bigger point. The bigger point is that that's literally how people feel and think. So you see these memes going around saying, and I've seen this a lot, and I actually disagree with it. They say, ever wonder how if you don't break the law, cops leave you alone? And I'm like, that's not true, man. That's not true at all. You, you absolutely can get jammed up by cops for no reasons, for, for no reason. It happens. But most people who don't do not like you have a large portion of people who do not live in these big cities don't experience this. Now, take into consideration the NYPD, or actually, let's go to Seattle, because the Chaz is the perfect example of this. It is a hyper-progressive town with some of the farest far lefties you can imagine. And guess what? Inside the Chaz, many of these businesses are filing a lawsuit against the city because the police weren't there to help them. In one of the most progressive places in the country, Seattle, Capitol Hill District, with other little vegan organic shops, they were demanding police support. So I, I'll tell you this, man, when you keep pushing this narrative, you may see people march in the streets and many people who don't know anything may believe it. But I'm willing to bet that if you've got people even in Seattle saying we want cops, then this narrative is dangerous for the left and not the right. I'll wrap it up by making sure I can give this point to you as concisely as possible in a few points. One, it's hard to know how pervasive 
the perspective manipulation can go. And, 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 and two, the media will push these things because it benefits them as a business. Three, people are more likely to encounter violent protesters and rioters than they are to encounter violent and, and, and brutal police. But people are more likely to encounter a cop, which gives them a sour interaction because I got a ticket or something than a protester at all. Take that for what it is. But ultimately, I, I really do believe that if you will see Seattle uh, uh, businesses in the Chaz demanding the police protect them, most people are not going to support ab- ab- abolishing police or defunding them. Maybe some reform that can be considered defunding. But I think the narratives you're hearing about cops being bad is so, so good for Trump. So good for Trump. The Chaz businesses want their cops. Trump is calling for law and order and condemning the mayor. And guess what? The businesses are suing the city. Sounds like they agree with Trump, whether they want to admit it or not. I guess we'll see how this plays out. As I always say, we got a few months out to the election, but stick around. My next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. at TimCast.net, and I will see you all then. Hey, when I call it, I call it, don't I? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen me call it. D.C. mayor tells residents to stay home for the 4th of July, promotes Black Lives Matter gatherings. Come on, we knew this was going to happen, right? I don't think it's that, I don't know, spectacular in any way that I tweeted out this was going to happen because it's obvious. They're saying you, you, you got COVID, you can't open your business, you can't sell a cheeseburger, but by all means, go in the thousands without masks to protest. Why? She's at a protest like she's, she, I'll, I'll call it soapboxing. There we go. I'd say bullhorning, but she's using a microphone. She's not wearing a mask. She's standing around all these people. She's coughing and spitting all over everybody. They don't care. I'll tell you what, man. This is one of the most brazen and I gotta say one of the scariest things that could ever happen. You know, we, 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 we talk a lot about when and how and what civil war, but man, oh man, tell Americans not to go out and celebrate the 4th of July while you promote these big Black Lives Matter protests, that to me, yikes, man, that's truly scary stuff. Well, let's read this and make sure we have the proper context. All right. Here's the Daily Caller says, Democratic Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser told residents to spend the 4th of July at home, despite encouraging Black Lives Matter gatherings happening en masse amid the coronavirus outbreak. Just because there are going to be fireworks downtown doesn't mean I have to go, Bowser said at a press conference Thursday. She said she hopes to see a significant reduction in crowd sizes related to the 4th of July events, according to Fox 5. That is absolutely insane, man. This is this is it. Hypocrisy abound. They argued that, you know, we, we were risking COVID by having these Black Lives Matter rallies. And we understand that, right? At first, it was just double. It was just a double standard. Then when people started to call them out, they said, well, well, you know, um, we are risking COVID because we're brave. And then people said, no, you were complaining that you're going to get grandma killed because you'll be an asymptomatic carrier. Oh, well, uh, well, we're wearing masks. Uh, we, we are uh, wearing masks. And people pointed out, OK, we'll wear masks at our events, but we're outside. But we're outside. OK, Fourth of July outside wearing masks. Don't do it. Don't go. Wow. And there it is. What excuse are they going to have this time? You don't I don't want to see you out celebrating the birth of a nation. They've been tearing down our statues they, and now they're doing this. Man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting worried more. But I'll tell you what, you want to have your revolution. 
going this fast is crazy. There, there was one thread that I saw someone post about that they were planning, that the Democrats were planning this all along and that, you know, Trump wasn't supposed to win and Trump jammed them up. So they're trying to move forward. I think it's a bit too conspiratorial for me. What I think we're seeing is the, the emergence of a religion and that religion supersedes any logic. I don't care about your holiday, they say, but mine must be protected. This is why we have a constitution and why the government is supposed to protect various religions. You want to have your, your, your intersectional religion? I don't care. Believe whatever you want. But to use the power of government to suppress those you disagree with, now nah, things are getting scary. Hey, man, we all saw what Bill de Blasio was doing to the Jewish community in, uh, in New York, welding park, parks shut. Terrifying stuff. Let's read this. Check this out. Paul Wagner says, D.C. Mayor Bowser begins the news conference by urging D.C. residents to celebrate the 4th of July at home. The feds have already announced the fireworks on the mall will take place, and the president plans a salute to America on the south lawn of White House and Ellipse. The mayor did not share the same COVID-19 concerns for Black Lives Matter protests that flooded the streets following the death of George Floyd, who died after a police officer knelt on the neck for over eight minutes. I, I'm just so sick of the news outlets saying this. We know. You can just say at protests. Jeez, man. Bowser posted a photo of herself amid a large crowd of BLM supporters that do not appear to be maintaining six feet distances from one another, and many are not wearing masks. President Donald Trump has planned his second edition of Salute to America on Independence Day on the White House South Lawn. The display will feature music, military demonstrations, and flyovers to honor our nation's service uh, members and veterans, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany said, according to the Washington Times. Bowser did not respond to a request for comment. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, there's a big there's a big conversation going on. Trump going to win, Trump going to lose. And I see so many people saying he's going to landslide, he's going to win. And this is the conversation I had uh, recently with a local down where I'm at saying, ah, it's going to it's going to be a blot. It's going to be a landslide. Yeah, I know. And then I talk to these people and I say, did you see what happened in New York? No, what? With AOC? No, I, I have no idea. OK, let me stop you right there, buddy. If you don't even know what's happening in this country and you are sitting back convinced Donald Trump is going to win, he's going to lose. And I've been saying over and over and over again, hey, man, that's your warning. But you know what? The warning seem the warning seems to go uh, fall on deaf ears. <laughs> Whatever, man. I don't care. Look, I think if Joe Biden wins, our, our, our country is in serious danger. I never saw Donald Trump necessarily as like, a particularly great president, to be completely honest. I think the economy did really, really well. Uh, no new wars are really great things. But it's got, he's got negatives, man. He really, really does. And he's got attitude problems. He's got ego problems. And there's a lot of issues there. But I can give him respect for the things he's done right. That's always been my position. Orange man, bad, but not that bad. And actually, to be fair, good in some ways. Economy, for instance, and war, actually. It's better than I've seen in my lifetime. So that, I got, I got, I'll be fair to him, right? But now I'm absolutely leaning towards voting for Trump, as I've stated in the past. A lot of people want me to say something definitive. I won't because we, we, we got a lot going on. And, I'm, and I, I don't think right now I can say for sure Trump could say something crazy, something crazy could happen. I'll let you know when I know. All right. The fact is, Joe Biden is pathetic and the far left is taking over and it's getting insane. The state is now sanctioning this religion. This mayor is, is painting the street. It's, 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 you can't do this. It's not your street. It's public forum. Can I go paint in the street now? I'll tell you what. There are a lot of reasons to suggest Trump could. This is either good news or bad news for Trump. Let's talk about the bad news first. The the reason why this is bad is because it shows you the power of the state 
has be, has embraced a religion and is using that power to suppress Trump's supporters and base. But my private platform, what about when they're literally telling you you can't have a rally, but we can? Now they're violating the First Amendment. Now that's getting freaky. That's the bad news. This suppression might actually hold Trump back. And I say bad news in the sense of violating the Constitution, civil liberties, not necessarily whether Trump wins or loses. But for Trump supporters, it's definitely bad news. The good news for Trump, however, is that telling Americans they shouldn't be celebrating the 4th of July while you celebrate Black Lives Matter may be a slap in the face so hard you send heads spinning. This may be the shock to the system that Trump really needs. Regular Americans, they love the 4th of July. They go out. It's, a, it's, it's the holiday. People go out, they, they make burgers and brats, and they get their chips and their beers, and they celebrate what America is, and they blow stuff up in the sky, and it's fun. Now what's happening? Telling people not to celebrate the 4th of July? Yikes, man. That, that, is, that is like walking up to Uncle Sam and punching him right in the gut. That's like walking up to a regular American and smacking him in the face. Not every single American, mind you, but many of them. I can only imagine this could be bad for Trump. But let's talk about Trump's, Trump's campaign. The Wall Street Journal editorial board blasts failing Trump campaign message. I agree. They say, uh, as of now, Mr. Trump has no second term agenda or even a message beyond four more years of himself. His recent events in Tulsa and Arizona were dominated by Facebook by, uh, by personal grievances. He resorted to his familiar themes from 2016, like reducing immigration and denouncing the press. But he offered nothing for those who aren't already persuaded. What is he going to offer people? Now, he's targeting the far left who's destroying our statues, but that's reactionary, I guess. What are you going to do to improve things? How will you, Trump should come out and say, we want to guarantee and enshrine the constitutional rights and make sure these won't be violated. A major move of, his, of Trump's administration in the next term with the Republicans should be guaranteeing that we do not see this, this double-edged, this double standard from this, this, this new religion, the, separ, uh, the, the separation of church and state, that these, these, these right, maybe it's law and order, to be completely honest. These things would benefit him. And he is talking about these things for sure. What about recovering uh, the economy? Let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about what the plan are, the, plan, the plans are. And so far, what has he said? We, we, we reduce testing because you get too many. So we slowed it down. Was it a joke? I don't know. I don't care. But let me throw it, let me throw it to this tweet. I tweeted this. I think Trump is on, is on track to lose in November. So many Trump supporters convinced they can't possibly lose. The polls are wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Look at the fervent masses out in the streets. People are going nuts. And with mail-in voting, I bet turnout skyrockets. And what was the response? Hubris. You know what, man? When, if Trump loses... If slash when he loses, I'm going to laugh. The hubris of Hillary Clinton and all her supporters cackling. We're going to win. Trump can never lose. And when she lost, it was hilarious. And I laughed a hearty laugh, as I always say. Right now, it's Trump supporters who are saying it. And I'm getting ready to laugh, man. You think you, you're guaranteed this victory? These people, not everybody, mind you. No, no, it's, it's split. But a lot of people responding to this acting like Trump couldn't possibly lose. The American people are standing up defiantly. No, they're not. It's, they're standing up. They're getting their rights trampled all over in the streets as, as white fragility becomes a number one nationwide bestseller and people are spreading dogma. Yeah, this stuff is, is flying off the shelves. All I see from Trump and his supporters, yes, we see Trump supporters out in the street. Trump rally. 6,200 people, not the million he thought he was going to get. 
A lot of people said it was an embarrassment. Now you can argue he had 10 to 13 million or more watching remotely. Okay. Maybe, and I've argued, maybe these people are just hiding because they don't want to get canceled. It doesn't matter what I think. Do not make the assumptions you've got in the bag. And I'll tell you what, this tweet makes me laugh. I, I showed this, this, uh, this image of Occupy City Hall. And this is one of the things that's funny is uh, I'll, I'll highlight Sticks because I respect Sticks' opinion. He said, I am so surprised that leftist turnout is high in, checks notes, New York. What is that supposed to mean? What, what, is that, what does that mean? You mean that people who did not rally in 2016 are rallying right now in New York? Yeah, you should be worried, man. Because if they can actually convince young people to get out and send in their ballots, that will be bad for Trump. Okay, New York's not a swing state. I'm not specifically talking about New York. I'm talking about the fact that in small towns, in conservative areas, people are showing up to protest for this stuff. In a small town in Ohio, 80 people came out to protest for Black Lives Matter. 800 Trump supporters came out. And you can say, see, that shows that Trump supporters are winning. But the fact that these people are activated and young people are activated, and I'm seeing celebrities tweeting about they want to get their absentee ballots in early. If you ignore this, you will lose. It's, it's, you know, the mentality of people, of everybody, if you want Trump to win, should be like, while I think, you know, Trump is definitely on track to win, you better treat this as though he is, he is on track to lose. I really do think so. Listen, saying he's on track to lose. I'm not saying he's guaranteed to lose. I think he could absolutely win. But the track he is on right now, let me tell you, he's, he's, he's ragging on people instead of talking about his solutions. The Wall Street Journal said it. What do I see for Trump in terms of free speech? For years, nothing. He's finally talking about it, but it's been weak. Then you take into consideration what, what, uh, the, the hubris. This is the second thing. Everybody's sitting back laughing about how Trump's going to win. All right, man. That, that, that to me shows that the track Trump is riding on is a path towards defeat. His supporters need to be adamant that Trump could lose this and they must fight harder than they've ever fought, but they're not doing it. They're not. And they're not standing up for themselves in the workplace. So why should I believe Trump's going to win? If you won't stand up for yourself, why would you stand like, why would you stand up for anybody else? It makes no sense. Maybe their fingers crossed if they vote for Trump, he wins. And that's fair. I think Trump could win. But right now, I think the track he is riding on is towards defeat. Y'all need to wake up to this. The, 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 these, these Democratic politicians are brazen in what they're doing in supporting uh, a non-theistic religion. And you could argue that might help, like I said, but it could also show that Trump's base will be suppressed. Are they going to turn out to vote if Black Lives Matter activists are chanting in front of the polling station illegally? Will anyone stop them from doing it? I doubt it because the police were already enforcing unconstitutional edict. So we'll see what happens, man. But I'll say it for the 50 billionth time. Your hubris, your downfall. I got a couple more segments in a few minutes. I will see you all shortly. The number one trending video on YouTube was a post by the ever famous Jenna Marbles, one of the original YouTubers who, in a bizarre act of self-flagellation, made an 11 minute video where she apologized for being a comedian because she had videos from 10 years ago that were offensive to some people, which is just insane. And this, some people have argued, is her just finding an excuse to quit because she's super rich and famous and she doesn't need to work anymore. And hey, what better excuse to retire than I'm so sorry that I once put on a spray tan and did an impersonation. That's really what it's about. They accused her of doing blackface. Apparently what actually happened is she had a really dark spray tan and she was doing impersonations. That was it. Like she wasn't actually <laughs> doing 
uh, a blackface thing. She, her skin was just tanned. But here we go. This is what, what's, what's truly insane about this story to me is that you have a woman with 20 million subscribers who gets 4 million views per video convinced because a small handful of people were mean to her on Twitter that everybody hates her and she must apologize. She apparently has some video she highlights and she's deleted like apparently hundreds or more videos. This is crazy. But apparently she had one video where it was her wearing like a fake mustache and rapping like an Asian person or something, or maybe I don't even know, maybe it was a Mexican person or something. And she said some offensive things. And then she, and then in the song, she's like, I'm bad at, like, she's like, oh, oh, that was racist. I'm bad at rap songs. And she's like, I'm so sorry for doing all of this. This is the spread of the religion, bro. A lot of people are sitting back and they're ignoring the seriousness of this. But the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm covering this and, 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 and I'll read you the news story here is because this is a person with 20 million subscribers who gets millions of views who all love her. Look at this. 644,000 thumbs up, 13,000 thumbs down. She has fans. They love what she does, but she is still convinced she must do a public struggle session to prove that she's not really a bad person because she offended people. Now, that to me is derangement. You call it Trump derangement syndrome, the, 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 the anti-Trump sentiment. This is just general derangement. These people have lost their minds. I have no problem saying it because I've never been particularly religious. But here's the story. YouTuber Jenna Marbles quits after apologizing for blackface and racial slurs. I'm ashamed of things I've done and said in my past, but it's important, she said in a video posted to her channel with more than 20 million subscribers. She's announced she is going to be quitting and she may come back at some point, but maybe not. Who knows? And that's why some think she's just trying to retire. She's super rich. She'll never have to work again, right? They say YouTube star Jenna Marbles tearfully announced Thursday that she is quitting the platform and apologized for racist videos she posted between 2011 and 2012. Well, you know what? I can say this. If she's going to quit over this stuff, then certainly we can cancel Jimmy Kimmel, I think, right? Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, both of them out. Get out. If Jenna Marbles can quit, you guys go away. We don't, we don't want you. I'm actually kidding, but I think it's silly. I want to hold myself accountable and it's painful to do and it's not fun and it hurts. And I'm ashamed of the things I've done and said in my past, but it's important. I want to make sure that the things I'm putting into the world are not hurting anyone. Oh, shut up. I'll tell you what, man. I'm more offended by your apology than the jokes you made. Okay. Here's, here's the weirdest thing about these lunatic fanatics. She highlights this video the Asian racism thing, right? She says some words that are like racist towards Asians or something. Half my family is Asian and they're not offended by this stuff. It's the, it's the, it's the weird, it's the white progressives in my family who are posting on Facebook, like we all must be allies today. And I'm like, shut up. (laughs) And when I, they ignore me when I post about it, I love it. The actual minority in your own family telling you to shut up. I don't say it like that. I'm like, I just, let me explain my point of view and why I think you can calm down. And they ignore it. And they just keep posting this stupid self-flagellation, whatever, repentance, allyship, whatever they want to call it. Meanwhile, the Asian people in my family are just like, I don't know, <laughs> they don't care. In fact, this is actually funny. Some of the Asian people in my family are like the diehard Trump supporters. The weirdest, I get messages and they're just like Trump. And I'm like, Dad. I guess maybe it's because these people discriminate against Asian people, like at Harvard with affirmative action and things like that. She said many people had reached out to her to address videos from the past, specifically one parody of Nicki Minaj in blackface and another insulting Asian men and using racial slurs, both posted in 2011. 
It's not cool. It's not cute. It's not okay. And I'm embarrassed. No, I'm, I'm, I'm more embarrassed that you're apologizing for it. Marbles, whose legal name is Jenna Mori, also apologized for a video she posted in 2012, uh, came across unbelievable, uh, oh, sexist. I'm sorry. I just effed up. I had a lot of internalized misogyny and I'm sorry. Are you serious with this? Because she used to do videos where she was like, here's what men do and here's what women do. But now she has to, she has to do this apology tour about non-binary people and how it was so offensive to say things 10 years ago. These people are insane. I'll tell you what, man, you can be insane. I'm going to keep doing my thing. I'm not going to, to adopt any freaky religion, but please let me know when your holidays are so I can make sure I take off work appropriately. I'll take the free holidays, right? Well, some people are arguing it's a big troll. It's a big, big troll. And maybe it is. Check this out. Wannabe influencers are being trained to film a believable YouTube apology video. Being a creator means learning how to come out of a controversy unscathed. Ah, interesting. Perhaps Jenna Marbles is trying to get ahead of any woke outrage, and she doesn't really mean it. She's just better than all of you. What do I mean by that? There have been a few people who have been canceled. YouTube drama, stupid nonsense no adult cares about, but the kids love it. And they've produced these apology videos that come off really fake, where they'll be like fake crying, like, I'm so sorry that I did this. And you're like, you're not really crying. I can tell you're not really upset about this. You're just pretending. And so they need to learn how to actually do a real sounding apology. Surprise, surprise. Over in this video from Jenna Marbles, she almost cries. And it seems almost believable. Perhaps that's what we're really seeing. Perhaps she doesn't care. She's rich. She's famous. She wants to take a vacation. So she's like, some people are complaining. I'll get in front of this before stories come out targeting me and make the story positive for me. And that's what she did. This, this video, a message, is the number one trending YouTube video of her saying all the right things to get all the support she needs. Nobody canceled her. She canceled herself. She prevented them from actually getting her in trouble or getting her banned, and she deleted a ton of videos. Perhaps a very savvy business decision, business decision to make sure that she can still do things in the future. If she waited, what would have happened? The activist campaign would have targeted her. Targeted her. You can see what happens to people who resist. And so she said, I will move faster than you. And instead of bending the knee when you come with the sword, I'll jump under the sword full speed and say, hey, hey, I, I'm here of my own volition. And then they'll say, well, clearly she's one of us, right? Because she chose to be here. And that's it. She can almost cry. Maybe it's a fake apology video that she's been, you know, trained to do to prevent the controversy from bubbling over. But either way, it doesn't really matter. Now, maybe it's a troll. Some have said it's a troll and uh, it could be. Did she mass private a ton of videos and then game and trick everybody into getting a ton of attention? And then she'll come out and be like, psych. Some people think she will. And if she does, well, she got me. But getting rid of all these videos that it's deleting millions upon millions of views. That's uh, I mean, that, that's that's in your, your YouTube history. It uh, presumably benefits you in the algorithm. That's serious that she would take these videos down because she loses money when she does. So if it's a troll, it's a really good one. I don't think it is. I think it's serious. I think she may be trying to dodge controversy, but there's something worse here. The controversy was strong enough that the woke ideology is a powerful religion. It is taking over and people have either decided they're going to bend the knee and cave that they would rather live on their knees. Uh, um, yeah, than, than, than die on their feet. 
Not me, man. I would rather live on my, uh, uh, die on my feet than live on my knees, right? But these people, they, you know, her, her, her whole view is probably, she, she's probably thinking like, you know what, man? I did all these edgy, all this edgy comedy. We saw that guy, Count Dankula, get arrested for some of his edgy jokes. All right. I'll apologize, delete everything, retire unscathed. Because what's the alternative? If this woke insanity gets worse, they could ban you from businesses. They could ban you from your financial services. They've done it. And as this ideology expands, how long until they tell me I can't go to their restaurant or I'm banned from certain you know, industries or something like that, and they say you're canceled? Best to avoid the cancellation outright. If Jenna really did want to retire, well, then she was able to do so. But what if she just wants to get a cup of coffee in peace? She just wants to grab a slice and be ignored. Well, now she's done the right thing, apparently. They won't cancel her. They won't come for her. She's repented publicly. She's confessed her sins. And now she will be left alone to enjoy her slice of pizza and be very, very wealthy. More importantly, it reminds me of Warren Buffett. I believe he gave away a large portion of his money to some foundation or something. Bill Gates did it. Um, Mark Zuckerberg did it with an LLC. And a lot of people said, look at all these rich people giving their money away, doing the right thing, they said. And this was around, this was shortly after the Occupy Wall Street protests. That wasn't my mentality. That's not what I saw. What I saw was rich people saying, hey, there's a bunch of people outside with pitchforks. What should we do? I know. Let's like volunteer to give up our money. That way they won't burn our houses down. And there you have it. She's super rich and powerful and famous and white. And she sees what's happening. So she says, I'd rather be on the side of the mob, right? Then when they go torching buildings, they'll stop at hers and say, oh, no, no, no. She's the one who repented. She's okay. And then she can mind her own business. This is the problem with, admittedly, American culture, the individuality, uh, individualism of I'll just take care of myself and, you know, damn everything else. There you go. She's going to she's going to do what she needs to do to make sure that she keeps all of her money and doesn't get canceled by someone like Louis C.K. Now, his story was way, way different, but he lost a lot. And so there you have it, man. Don't be surprised if more people if, if you don't be surprised if you see more people doing this, coming out early and saying, I'm so sorry for this video I posted. Blah, 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 blah. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. Maybe it's a troll. That's what some people think. I don't buy it. But you know what I'm excited for? When, once everyone is canceled, then no one will be right. But I'll tell you what, it's a bold bet, Miss Jenna Marbles, because what happens if Trump wins in a landslide and we see that the woke left was a fluke and that everything going on right now, while scary and weird, they end up losing and the silent majority remains silent no longer. And then everyone laughs at you and then you chose the wrong side. The best thing you can do is just shut up. But anyway, We'll see how it plays. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. This may be one of the most important stories in the culture war, civil war, whatever is going on, politic, political world, social media, censorship, bias. This may be one of the most important stories. Unilever pauses Facebook and Twitter advertising for the rest of 2020 due to polarized atmosphere in U.S., Right now, there is a boycott of Facebook. And I know, I know, hold on, hold on. Before you click that button, you might be saying, well, for me, I'm not, I don't really care about Facebook. No, man, you got to hear me out on this one. We're not talking about censorship. We're not talking about adpocalypse. We are talking about Facebook and, uh, I'm sorry, about Unilever, one of the biggest companies in the world that owns tons of different brands saying that we're suspending ads because of polarization, not because of hate speech policies. And I think I see what's happening here. 
These companies have realized, get woke, go broke. And so what's the alternative? Do nothing. That's scary. Think about it. They've realized that if they try to advertise in any way, they'll be attacked for silence being consent or for politicizing. In which case, any advertisement they do will hurt their brands. So they do nothing. This is crazy. It could result in a few things. It could result in Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and many companies losing tons of money as people realize we don't want to advertise in ways that can get us in trouble. But it's, 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 it doesn't stop there. Advertisers have pulled off of Tucker Carlson. Well, why stop there? What about Rachel Maddow or Don Lemon? How about this? How about everyone just boycotts everything that's advertised anywhere? And I see what I mean. As companies start to pull out of advertising, we realize the polarization has come to a point where they can't even advertise at all because we're on the verge of something really, really big. This is going to shift resources, but it's also signaling that the tracks our country is on, the left and the right, have diverged to such a degree there's no way to actually get both sides anymore. Think about it. Early on, you could do a foofy, happy, lefty-leaning advertisement, and the conservatives didn't really care all that much. But then things started to get crazy, and we saw the get what go broke, commercials like Gillette. And the right reacted really, really negatively. Gillette then realized, whoa, we missed this one. And then what did they do? They put out an ad that showed a blonde-haired, blue-eyed man in, in like the military. And I was like, you've gone too far, Gillette. You don't understand what people are mad about. Just make a commercial where, it, where it's a guy like, I like to shave. This razor can cut my face. Shave. Instead, everything has become political. The problem is with the left, they say silence is consent. And they demand you give a statement. They'll, they'll brigade you and cancel you even if you don't get political. In which case, you now have the option of just hurting yourself. Let's read the story. CNBC reports Unilever on Friday said it would be pausing brand advertising on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter through the U.S. uh, through at least the end of the year. Yes, because of the election. Given our responsibility framework and the polarized atmosphere in the U.S., we've decided that starting now through at least the end of the year, we will not run brand advertising in social media, newsfeed platform uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter in the U.S., the company said in an emailed statement uh, attributed to the EVP, blah, blah, blah. Now, 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 listen. There's an important point there. In the U.S., they're still running ads. Many people have, uh, uh, there, there's a boycott going on, Verizon, uh, Ben and & Jerry's, and some other companies. Many people think this is part of that, that, that boycott. It's not. This is a brand saying politics has gotten so insane in this country, there's nothing we can effectively market that won't hurt us. That's how far gone we are. Now, Facebook is trying to, to uh, tell all these companies, no, 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 look, you know, we, we really do combat hate speech and all this stuff. It insists policy changes are not tied to revenue, revenue pressure. Facebook is refusing to bend the knee to these companies saying we're not going to change. And I, and I think I know why. This boycott is trying to force Facebook to create crazier hate speech rules, a dramatic move in the, in the culture war, or the civil war, culture, civil war, whatever you want to call it, the revolution, the left calls it. They're trying to force Facebook to ban more conservatives. Many of these lefties are angry that Ben Shapiro is like the number one source on Facebook. And it's, it's, it really is true. Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire dominate Facebook shares and engagement. So to shut this down, they use woke corporate pressure. And Facebook said, no, you know why? 
Facebook is also between a rock and a hard place realizing if they start enforcing more strict rules against people like Ben Shapiro, they're going to start bleeding users and their advertisements will become the ad sales they do will become worth less. So no matter what they do, they lose money. The best thing they can do is weather the storm. This is how polarized things are getting. Our companies, our major companies think it's safe. So maybe maybe here's some good news. There was a study I, fre- I, I showed uh, frequently. I love it. They, tra- they mapped Twitter's cultures, Twitter's bubbles, and they found that digital marketing overlaps with the resistance anti-Trump. And it's probably due, it's probably an accident. Early on, it was uh, popular to embrace more lefty positions. There was a left bias in a lot of media outlets, but the left was all about freedom of expression. So these companies embraced it. Because of this, they think it's always the safe bet. They're now learning it's not a safe bet. So again, another reason why this may be one of the most important stories right now is that this could be the end of woke digital marketing. Seriously. So companies like Facebook are, uh, as I stated earlier, the divergence is so severe, there's no real way to actually deal with this. What I, I think we're seeing something that could be good, but could be really, really bad. Are we really so politically polarized that major brands have no way to communicate between the two tribes? Yes. White supremacy doesn't mean the same thing anymore. To the left, it doesn't. White supremacy literally means the entirety of the structure of our civilization. Seriously. White supremacy to most people just means a person who thinks white people are superior or supreme or whatever. That's not the leftist view. The leftist view is that um, this podcast is white supremacy specifically because it is founded upon white supremacist institutions and the concepts of time and colonization. And because I look like I'm white enough, at least all of these things, arguing, debating, police, fire departments, city hall, democracy, the constitution, all of these things are white supremacy, they say, because they were founded upon these institutions. This is the inherent, um, perniciousness, I suppose, of systemic racism. While I've talked in the past about the reality of systemic racism, it's very simple, like racial housing covenants and how it persists into ghettos today, they take it to its logical conclusion, which is the danger in that, therefore, every single thing ever is white supremacy. And that's how their religion functions. It may be, and here's, here's the good news of it. It may be that they have finally, finally shot themselves in the foot and in such a devastating way that they have ended their corporate support. By everything being racist, there's no real way you can advertise in, a, in such a way that would protect your brand. So they pull out. Facebook bans conservatives. Facebook is biased against conservatives. And now because of this, the, the, the advertisers are asking for more advertisers boycotting Facebook want more pressure on the right. Facebook has reached a red line and they are about to implode. So whatever they're doing, it's not sustainable. So what we're seeing on two fronts, Facebook has reached its limit. The ADL is demanding more and they will keep demanding more. This may be the point at which the woke left can't gain any more ground. And the obvious happens. A company like Unilever says, we just can't go that far. 63 million people in this country voted for Trump and they buy Ben and Jerry's too. So this is it. Corporate sponsorship was what the left was using and was what was promoting them. A meme that's going around 
shows all of these corporate brands where they change their logos to rainbows. And then a person in front of it saying, I'm being oppressed. Meanwhile, the conservatives don't have this. Every single time a conservative tries to launch their own paper or social media platform, they get mocked, slammed and ridiculed. And then advertisers won't sell. They lose access to like DNS, which has happened in some instances, or they get banned outright from various platforms. They get called accused of being Nazis. Now it's gotten so insane. Brands won't advertise on the left stuff either. So let me, let me try and wrap this up in a more succinct way. Listen, if Facebook is biased, okay, and censoring conservatives, conservatives try to launch their own platforms, but have trouble getting, getting that revenue and getting those advertisers. Now with Unilever pulling off of Facebook due to the, the polarization, the far left is losing their revenue as well. Facebook is going to lose all the money and they're biased towards the left. Project Veritas just proved this for like the 50 billionth time. Employees at Facebook are trying to hurt Trump. Good. So if Facebook can't make any money now, then it's just going to be a return to normalcy, I suppose. But they're only doing it in the US, which should show Facebook what it means when you embrace this polarization. It'll hurt the far left. But in the end, Facebook will still exist and they'll still keep making money. So they don't care. All in all, I think this is good. This is like a crack in a massive. You ever, you ever see the day after tomorrow in the beginning when there's like that massive ice shelf and it just cracks? That's what this feels like to me. Unilever is not just some small company that makes soap. They're a parent brand that has tons of subsidiaries. Like, do they, I think that they mentioned what they some of the subsidiaries here. They say, uh, I'm, OK, I'm not going to read through it, whatever. There's a bunch of different companies that Unilever owns. They say, um, Briar, Ben and Jerry's, Hellman's Mayonnaise, Lipton, Pure Leaf Teas, uh, Dove Products. Look, look up Unilever and you'll see this massive tree of all the products. And these are all being pulled from Facebook. This could be the point at which the culture war has to stop. When corporate advertisers back away, Facebook panics and then tries to restore normalcy, starts banning the far left to reduce the polarization. Because think about it. If Facebook has already banned the far right and now they ban the far left, you're left with moderates. Now it's safe to advertise, right? We'll see how things play out. Anyway, thanks for hanging out. I will see you all tomorrow at 10 a.m. on this channel. And yeah, I'll see you next time.